Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, September 10th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 to 29. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 25 to 29. And then I'll pray, and then we'll get started. Um, Verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on, on earth... Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that we can meet again, sing, pray, and learn and hang out, fellowship with your people. Father, we are very grateful for this time. We look forward to it every week. Today, as we come before you, um, we come by faith, trusting in the promise that you have fulfilled in Christ. We come as Christians, those who have been redeemed. And even as we sang that just a moment ago, and Father, we ask that you give us grace. Help us as we listen to the word preached and taught. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Father, may Jesus be lifted up. May he increase greatly. May we decrease. I pray that uh, in spite of me, you would work greatly. I pray that you would help us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When I um, get up in the mornings, I don't drink a lot of caffeine anymore, get some in my tea, but when I drink coffee in the morning, I like to pour this oat milk in there, and so it's sweet, but the thing is, it says shake it up before you, when I pull it out of the refrigerator, I have to shake it up really good so that the bottom and the top, they're, they're weighted differently, come together, and it, and it tastes better. Well, we often shake things, and we could come up with lots of examples before we eat them or we drink them, but our text today speaks of shaking, shaking something, shaking the heavens, shaking the earth, and it speaks, our text speaks of this shaking so that a kingdom is, a kingdom comes that cannot be shaken. And 
And I, I know these are just pictures for us, this shaking, this picture that we have, this picture we have in the text, because God does not literally take out his hands, God is spirit, but he doesn't literally take out his hands and, and grab the earth, okay, and shake it, or literally grab the heavens and shake it. But it is a picture and the meaning I would like for us to get at this week. And so I'm not going to preach, finish up 25 to 29, all of it this week. Next week, we'll, we'll get to the application. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you today, it's going to be very doctrinal, very just trying to get really one truth apart, across to us about what is this shaking, okay? And what are we to do with it? And a couple little applications maybe at the very end and throughout. But here, here's the way I'm going to organize the sermon, which is kind of rare. I'm organizing it around just three questions, okay? that I want to give the question, and then I want to give the answer, okay? So here's question one. When we think about this shaking of the earth, shaking of the heavens, what is it? So that's it. What is it? What is he talking about in the text? Second question. When does this shaking take place? Okay, that's the second. So easy questions. What, when, and finally, what are the results of this shaking? that comes down to us. And we'll follow up with that next week as we, as we see in our text, we receive the kingdom. And so we'll get, especially get to that next week. So let's start. Question number one. What is the author speaking of, the author that, that wrote this book to those Hebrew Christians and to us today? What is he speaking about when he talks about shaking the earth and shaking the heavens? What are these events? Well, in order to answer this question, we, we must go to the Old Testament. And we must see what the Old Testament speaks of, particularly when it speaks of shaking something. Particularly, God is shaking heaven and earth. And so what does that mean? Well, this kind of language, when we go back to the Old Testament, <clears throat> is used often and mostly to signify that in the providence of God, God is ready to make a big change. He's going to shake it up. I think, I think about it just I used to watch basketball so much when I was younger, and I used to love to watch Carolina basketball, and the coach that passed away from Carolina, Dean Smith, when, when the first five were not scoring or not doing their job or they weren't playing hard, what did he do? He shook up the lineup, and he moved in the other five so they would come in and play. And so... It, same kind of thing. It was a big change. And so we go back to the Old Testament. Shaking of heavens, shaking of the earth deals with, God is speaking of big change. Psalm 60 verse 2 says, you have made the land to quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches for it totters. Well, if we keep reading in Psalm 60, the context makes sense because he says this shaking takes place in the context of you have made your people see hard things. So in other words, there was something hard coming for you folks. God is shaking you up. There's a big change coming. Isaiah 13, speaking in the context also of great change, speaking about Babylon and judgment that will come upon Babylon in the near future. He says, therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken out of its place. And again, 
that's only two verses I'm reading this morning. I had six or seven more, and I just cut them all out because there's just, there are so many verses in the Old Testament that speak of God shaking the earth, shaking the heavens, and that referring to a big change. <clears throat> With that in mind, let's move to the prophet Haggai for a moment. In our passage here in Hebrews 12, our author, as he has done, if you've been with me, tracking with me in Hebrews all this time, what does our author do every time he wants to make a point? He goes back to the Old Testament, and he shows that his point was being made there. Or he shows how that point comes forward and finds its fulfillment in the New Covenant, or in Christ, or in the Gospel, or in the Kingdom. And so he does that. And so he goes back to Haggai. And Haggai, if you think about what is going on in that time, when Haggai, the prophet, was writing... He is preaching and prophesying during the time of Israel's captivity when they were in Babylon. <clears throat> and so there they were. Jerusalem had fallen. The walls were down. Solomon's great temple, okay, had been torn down as well and destroyed. And so as they are there in Babylon, God sends great encouragement through Haggai. And he says, <clears throat> to, hey, Haggai, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and even the sea and the dry land. And he says that because he knows that he's going to take them out of captivity. The big change that had come to their lives is going to be another big change. They're going to go back to Jerusalem where they will rebuild the temple and even eventually rebuild the walls and the city, the land. They will dwell in it again. Listen to some words from the first part of this prophecy. In Haggai, he says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. In other words, God is saying, be comforted. You be strong. You be courageous. What, lots of encouragement there because great change is coming. I'm going to send you back. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. And I'm going to bring about this change. <clears throat> These are the words our author uses in Hebrews here to describe the great change that God is doing in the gospel of Christ with the ending of the old covenant and with the coming of the, the fulfillment of his promise in the new. Now you might say, well, well, John Haggai was just prophesying only of the return to Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple. But if you keep reading in Haggai, there's more to his prophecy, okay? Verses, I think this is chapter 2 in Haggai, but verses 7 to 9. He says, And I will shake all of the nations, so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And the latter glory of this house, speaking, I think, of the temple, okay, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. 
Now, this, is, this prophecy is so interesting. So hang with me here, okay? He says that in this, this prophecy, Haggai is making way back in, way before the time of Christ, he says that the nations will come to this temple. And this temple will have more glory than the old. So if you think about that, very interesting. interestingly, that first temple that Solomon built had great glory. I mean, it was massive. It was great. Solomon, <clears throat> he dedicated that temple. The glory of the Lord came down upon that temple. Great glory. Well, that temple was destroyed. They were sent off into captivity. And now Haggai is saying, hey, you're going to go back. You're going to build another temple. And then he throws this in there about the nations coming, about peace coming. And he says, you know what? The glory of that one, that temple will be greater than the first. Well, it's, if you know your history, you'll know that the second temple was not near as glorious as that first temple. Now, Herod, I think, would, would beautify the temple um, much, much later, and it would, be, it, would, it, would, it would get greater. But that second temple, <clears throat> after the one Solomon built, but the second one was not near as glorious as the first, as I've just, as I've just shown and so, but my question here is, how can this temple that Haggai is speaking of be more glorious than that first one? And maybe you've never thought about that before, but think about it. I think you already know the answer. I think we already know the answer. This rebuilding of the temple and the greater glory that would follow that Haggai is saying is going to happen back in that day. There's more to that prophecy because it speaks about a time in the future when God will bring about great chains. He will shake the earth and He will shake the heavens. And we know as we look back that this is the prophecy of God sending His Son, which is what the book of Hebrews is all about. So he's talking about shaking the earth, shaking the heavens, and he's using Haggai to say, this is what we've got when we come to Christ in the new covenant. God will send his son, the true prophet, the true king, the great high priest to his temple one day. I cannot help but think, you remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem, what did he do? He rode down the Mount of Olives on a colt, and what did they say to him, the peoples? Multitudes of peoples there. They said, by the way, the same ones that would say crucify him a little bit later. But they said, Hosanna to, son, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And with his coming, his sinless life, his death, his resurrection, his, his ascension... We find, brothers and sisters, the greatest change in the history of the world so far. <clears throat> this is exactly, I think, of what the writer of Hebrews is saying about the shaking of the heavens, particularly here. There's been no greater shaking than God the Father sending the heavenly 
Son, this is the Lord Jesus taking on flesh, His life, His death, His resurrection, all of it. And so with all of what has come in Christ, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying to, to them, and I believe to us, the old is past. The new has come. This is what I believe the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he's talking about this shaking of the earth and the heavens. Okay, so there's the what. Now let's move to the second question. When does this shaking of the earth and the shaking of the heavens take place? Well, if you've been listening, you've already been paying attention, we've already answered this question because it came with Christ. But in this passage, we must just keep it before us, he is speaking of the fulfillment of the new covenant. The new covenant in Christ, as the old system associated with Moses and Mosaic law, all the washings, all the ceremonies, the sacrificial system, the, all those things, things of the earth, they were shaken. And in Christ, God is shaking, shakes the heavens. So the entire passage, as we've seen, this is the fourth sermon now, but if you remember, the entire passage we're looking at now from, from 18 over to 29 is, is comparing Mount Sinai with Mount Zion. Look at verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth. This was exactly what happened with the coming of the law at Mount Sinai. Remember, God shook the mountain. They heard his voice. There was rumblings. There was smoke. There was lightning. There was flashes. And the ground shook like an earthquake. And if you think about what happened to them as a people, think about it. God had just delivered them from slavery. He led them into the desert to this great mountain at Sinai. And there, what did he do? He gave them his laws. He said, this is, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, and I'm revealing myself, and I'm telling you how you should live. And not just that, he's saying, you are my people. I'm not giving these to the rest of the world right now. I am giving them to you. And he's saying, this is how you should live. And these are the privileges. And I, we, we must argue, up until that time, there was no greater ch time of change in any history of any any people in the world ever than it had happened at Mount Sinai. God shook them up. And those were the things I think he's talking about here of the earth. They, they became a great nation under a great God, and they lived by God's great and holy laws. And so we must say, if you think about it like that, their world was shaken. I, I don't think we can imagine the great change or the changes that took place at Sinai with the nation of Israel there at that mountain. Now look at, at our verses. Second part of verse 26 all the way to verse 28. So we, we're moving on a little bit from the shaking of the earth there at Sinai. He says, but now he is promised. So here, that's, that's very important for us. But now talking to those Hebrew Christians, but now, and as we've seen back in um, verse 22, but you have come now to Mount Zion. He says, but now he has promised, 
Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Here he's quoting Haggai. We've got to remember that. Yet once more, I will shake not only earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, quote, and again he's quoting from Haggai. Yet once more, indicates of the removal. Remember that word removal, it's very important. Indicates the removal of the things that are shaken. In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do you see the comparison? The shaking of the earth was the giving of the law at Sinai. The shaking of the heavens was the coming of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Really clear in the text. What kingdom is this today? Why are we here? We are Christians. We are part of which kingdom? The kingdom of Christ. This is the gospel, we might say, or we can say, which we believe and which we proclaim. Today, we do not stand at the foot of an earthly mountain. Maybe the world wants to stand at the foot of an earthly mountain and see all of these things happen. But we do not. We don't stand at the foot of an earthly mountain as God's law comes down to us, which causes us to tremble, which God's law always does, but that law can, would condemn us as sinners. Today, we come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's if you want to go back to verse 22. Today, as Christians, we behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. That's, that's the best part, practically, for us about the shaking of the earth, particularly the shaking of the heavens and the coming of Christ, that He has taken away our sins. This is what the book of Hebrews is about. In fact, this, I love this passage because it really it summarizes the rest of the book. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He's spoken to us by whom? By the Son. From where does the Son come? Well, He comes from heaven. We could see the rest of chapter 1 of Hebrews. We wanted to read that. But He is greater than the prophets. He is not just a prophet. He is the one Moses said, hey, there's one coming after me. Listen to Him. He is greater than the prophets. He is greater than Moses. Look over at Hebrews 3, 5 and 6. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And then back in verse 3 of that same chapter, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Jesus was greater, is greater than Joshua. Can you imagine? Where Joshua took them in to conquer the land. But you know what? Joshua never gave them rest. Jesus says to us, come to me, all of you who labor or heavy laden, and I will give you rest that's what we do we come to him who gives us 
rest because we don't labor to fulfill the law of God given at Sinai anymore. He fulfilled those laws. He was the perfect sinless Lamb of God that laid down His life for us. Jesus is also greater than Aaron. Each of the priests under the system of Aaron, under Mosaic law, even all of the priests of all of the Old Covenant, they had to give offerings for themselves before they would then give offerings for the people. Why? Because they were sinners. Hebrews 4.15 says this, though. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without, without what? Without sin. Jesus, Jesus today is and has always been the sinless Son of God, the one who came from heaven. For He did not exalt Himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by Him who said, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. And you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Look over at Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. We must keep this always before us because there's, there's not a clear statement in the book. Hebrews 8, 1 and 2, the author says, Now, the point, there's a point, here it is. And what we are saying is this, We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty, where? In heaven. A minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. So let me ask you, brothers and sisters, this morning. Has there ever been a shaking of the heavens in the history of mankind? Then the sending of the sun and all that took place. And if you really want to go back to it and look at all of the, the, the miraculous or events that took place at his birth with all the miracles, with the, with, with the shepherds and the sighting of the star and all of those things, and then at his death, what took place with the veil being torn in two and the darkness and the quaking there, there there's been nothing like it. I don't think we've seen anything like this. In fact, we have not. Now, there are many, I must admit, who believe that this shaking of the heavens is speaking only of the future, that God will create a new heavens and a new earth. I'm, I'll give that, but in the context of this, yes, there'll be a shaking in the future, the coming of Christ, with the great judgment, with the new heavens and new earth, but in this text here, in the history of God's plan, nothing compares to the giving of His Son from heaven. And that is the one we worship today as Christians. In the plan of God, there has been no greater shaking of the worship of mankind than the giving of the Son, who is the fulfillment of all the things promised in the Old Covenant. There's been no greater change than what we find between the Old Covenant and the New this is why the book of Hebrews is so important for us in our understanding of doctrine. It explains this shaking of the earth, this shaking of the heavens, in a clear and precise way for, for both Jew and Gentile to understand. But if we think about the Jews in general, because there was such a great change, the Jews of Jesus' day, 
the Jews of the first century, and many Jews today still do not embrace the new covenant because it was such a departure from what they knew. And that's why it's such a stumbling block. That's why the book of Hebrews, he keeps saying over and over, the warnings are coming out. Do not refuse the one speaking. Think of the one you've come to. Don't trample underfoot the blood of the Son of God. All of these things are so important for us. So there's the what and there's the when, when it happened. Question three. What is the result of this shaking? Shaking of the earth, shaking of the heavens. Well, I think it's pretty clear. The shaking of the earth, shaking of the heavens, the result of this is a kingdom that cannot ever again be shaken. So that's the that's the, the point of the sermon today. What was it? When did it happen? What's the result? And this is really, if you've if you got the uh, ESV, mine says a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So that's the whole passage that it's talking about. That is the result of the shaking of the earth, shaking of the heavens. In other words, the great changes that took place at Sinai with Moses and the great changes that took place and the coming of the new covenant with Christ results in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is the gospel of Christ upon which we stand today. This is the kingdom and the rule of Christ. This is the result. Look with me at verses 26 and 27 again. At that time, his voice shook the earth. Again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm being repetitive, but we need this. That was Sinai and the giving of the law. The law of Moses under the old covenant. But then we continue in this verse. But now he has, but now he has promised. Here, the author, author shifts from the past to the present, emphasizing God's promise, which is what the book of Hebrews is all about. Emphasizing God's promise to bring about a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It continues. Yet once more... I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, the things that have been made. Here he speaks of a removal of things that are shaken. So, we should know this. So, what is removed in the shaking? What is removed? Well, this is the old covenant. The earthly things. Things that have been made in all of the system with all of the cups and the things and all the things that prepared in the ark and the tabernacle and the temple and all of the sacrifices that were everything along with that system and shaking those things and then the shaking of the heavens with the coming of Christ. In those shakings, what we find is those old things have been removed. <clears throat> Why is this? Well, look at the rest of verse 27. In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And what remains? Look at verse 28. Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The old is removed. The new has come. And what has come cannot be shaken. In other words, what has come will last 
forever. This is the promise of Haggai and the promise from all the prophets. They're making the same promise. They're just using different language. One of the clearest prophecies is found in the book of Daniel. Do you remember King Nebuchadnezzar? He had a dream, a really wild dream. And I don't think I've ever had a dream like this. And he was perplexed because nobody could tell him about this dream. In fact, he wouldn't even tell his wise men what the dream was. It was like so fixed. All the wise men were going to die because he said, tell me my dream. And then tell me what it means. We're like, well, king, you haven't even told us your dream. Well, your guy's supposed to be wise and smart. Tell me the dream. So he's getting ready to kill them all. But then it is made aware to the king there is this one named Daniel. So he says, bring Daniel before me. Daniel says, I can do this. <laughs> but he says, God can do it. But anyway, the dream. Daniel then says, here's your dream, king. And <clears throat> So here's the dream. He dreamed about a man, or appearance of a man, okay? But here's, what, here's how we describe this man. This man had a head of gold. Then he had a chest and arms of silver. And then he had a midsection of bronze. And then he had legs made of iron. And then feet with iron mixed with clay. And then you remember what happened in the dream? After he saw this unusual man, then he saw a stone. A stone, which is very interesting, that was not cut out by any human hand. Now, how do you get that in the dream except it comes from God? So there's a stone, but it's not a stone like anything on the earth. It's not made by any human hand, and so it's different. And then what does the stone do? The stone strikes the image and destroys every single bit of this image. All the way down, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the clay, destroys every bit of it. There's a lot more to this than I'm speaking about, but in the short of it, he says, Daniel 2.35, the stone that struck the image, not only did it destroy, but then after striking the image, that stone became a great mountain, and it filled the earth. Well, Daniel interprets this dream, showing that the parts of the body were kingdoms, okay? So this stone cut out by no human hands destroys these kingdoms. Daniel 2, verse 44. Here's what we read. He says, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Brothers and sisters, this rock, not made by human hands, who is it? Really easy, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ and His kingdom that crushes all the rest. Which if we're reading Hebrews, we're, we know that His favorite Psalm is 110 where he says, you know, make, <clears throat> make him sit at my right hand until all of my enemies are his foot. Or Psalm 2, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. This is the one whom Daniel is speaking of. And this kingdom will crush all of the kingdoms of this earth. This event is God fulfilling his 
promise. Verse 26, look there again. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. This is nothing other than God keeping his word. This is the context of Haggai, the building of the temple and establishing his glory in another temple at a later time. This is the author's purpose in quoting the prophet to show that God now in Christ is fulfilling his promise to shake the heavens so that the things of the earth that were also shaken, they will be removed. When God speaks of a promise, he does not speak of destruction. He speaks of hope. Therefore, this shaking, I believe, and this removal is not the ultimate destruction of the earth and its inhabitants, but this promise is the removal of a system to make way for the new. That was the context of this Hebrew writer, this author writing to those Hebrews, the old has gone, the new has come. That is why Paul, if you read Paul, Paul makes perfect sense in about everything he writes. He says, set your mind on things above. Why? Where Christ is. So let me ask again, what is the result of this shaking? The heavens so that the things of the earth will be removed. This is the gospel of Christ with which I am preaching, which we proclaim. This is the kingdom of Christ which cannot be shaken. This is the establishment of the church. Verse 28, look there, says, those who have received this kingdom. That's our topic next week. This is what God has done. That's why we are here. We, if you are in Christ today, you are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is why the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. This means God will also, I believe, not shake again what he has accomplished already in the coming of Christ and his kingdom. Today, where does Christ sit? He sits at God's right hand. Is there any higher place he can be? Is there anything else God can shake in that regard to his person and to his work and what he has done? And Christ sits there until when? Until, so Psalm 110 says, all of his enemies are made his footstool. This means for us, there's not going to be any other mosaic institutions from mosaic law and that particular theocratic system of worship given to Israel in the old covenant. There won't be any more of that. God's final word is in his son. Hebrews 1 again. His last days he's spoken in his son. There will not be another. This also means there will be no new revelations to make any changes to this kingdom and to this gospel. There will not be any new institutions besides the church of Christ. The things of the earth under the old covenant, they were, they were apparently mutable. I mean, they were apparently, excuse me, immutable. They were changeable. But it is not so with the new covenant first covenant was meant to pass away. The second is eternal. So when you read about the eternal covenant in the Old Testament and all of these prophecies, as Christians we automatically should go, oh, yeah, they're happening here, but yet they are eternal in Christ. first covenant was meant to pass away. 
The second eternal. The first was founded by Moses. The second one was founded by who? Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. This kingdom is founded by the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This means that the gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of Christ, which is represented here on earth in the church. That's what we are. We are a part of this kingdom. The kingdom of Christ is an everlasting one. It will never be shaken. Christ will be our eternal head forever. Now, there's a great mystery, I must admit, because one day, if, you, if you've read your Bible, it says the Son will deliver the kingdom over to His Father. But, in essence, Jesus is God, and that is, that is certainly a great mystery, but it will always be, in that regard, His kingdom. And also, this kingdom will fill the earth. Now, I know there's a difference of opinion on eschatology between positions, premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial on when all of this will be accomplished. I get that. But wherever you fall on your understanding of eschatology you know, in the end of times, still we all agree that the spreading of the gospel is going forth throughout the nations. That was even Haggai's prophecy. The nations will come to that temple. Now, this does not happen at an earthly temple, but unto Christ alone who is greater than the temple. And let me also say that I do believe in the future there will be a shaking one day when faith will be turned to sight and when our time of grace and Greg Hope will be turned to glory. And Paul speaks about that even being incomparable. But for us here now, it is a it is a, it, of course, it is a physical kingdom, but it is a spiritual kingdom as God works in hearts through the Holy Spirit as we go out through the world and make disciples and the kingdom grows. It is a kingdom of grace as we wait for a kingdom of glory. So, I'm coming to the end of this sermon. I know this has been difficult. If you want to go back and get this text again and read it, and maybe I pray that it would be a little bit understandable. But we've seen the what is this shaking of heavens and the earth. We've seen the when happened at the time of Christ, Sinai and the coming of Christ. And what are the results? Kingdom that cannot be shaken, which we are part of. And so with that in mind, what does that mean for us? What must we do? Go back to the text real quickly. This is where we're going to be next week. But we must not, verse 25, refuse him who is speaking. If you are here today and you've heard the word or you are a professing Christian and you are in great sin and you have not repented of your sins or if you are not a Christian and you have not heard, do not refuse him who is speaking. God is speaking even through a sermon such as this. We must not reject this warning which does not come from Sinai, comes from where? From heaven, where Christ sits. And then the Bible says we must receive this kingdom. That's where we'll be next week. So let us be grateful for this kingdom, knowing that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And then he says, finally there, let us offer acceptable worship with reverence and all. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, thank you for shaking the heavens. Thank you for shaking the earth at Sinai and giving us all those pictures. As your word tells us, they were just schoolmaster leading us to Christ. They were types. They were shadows. They were passing away when the real antitype, who is Christ, has come. I pray that you would give understanding and eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. Even as, as this sermon I know was very, very doctrinal. And, 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 but I pray that we would get this and that this truth would help us to interpret the Old Testament. And to think more about our Bibles and what it says about the, the gospel that's come, come in Christ. And may, may this truth help us as we read the New Testament. Father, we are the most blessed people. For we are part of this kingdom that cannot be shaken. Help us this week as we go out. As we are a part, those of us who are in Christ, of a kingdom that, that cannot be shaken. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.